Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy, and joining me this week is just one person, but the ever-reliable and more than adequate Vito Doria. Vito, welcome along. <laughs> Thanks, Connor. Great to speak with you again. Um, another time that we'll be chatting just the two of us. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to more cultural discussion. Yeah, it might be just the two of us, Vito, but the listeners don't need to worry because it is, let's be honest, it's the best two of us. So we'll more than make up for the absence of those who shall not be named. But I suppose let's just crack straight on with this then. Um, It's probably going to be a short one, listeners. So sorry about that, but we just have to get through this. Fiorentina Inter is probably the place to start then looking at the fixtures. It was a big game. Vito, do you think this is Inter slipping up again or... Is it a respectable result against a decent enough team? To be honest, I think it's a case of Inter slipping up again. After the game, Luciano Spalletti said that there were issues with the depth of the team, especially with the defence. So with uh, Ranocchi having to play instead of Miranda, and then uh, he he had an injury, so that was not convenient. So I reckon they need to really top up. The defence is the obvious one because you need those extra reserves. And also, I've been lamenting for a while that Inter really do need a trequartista because if Inter have a trequartista, I think they'll be much better going forward. They'll have better service. And I reckon Inter were lucky because Fiorentina had several chances to win the game. Federico Chiesa has been one of the most promising youngsters in Italian football for the last year or so. And if his finishing was better, I reckon he could have scored maybe three or four goals against the Nerazzurri. Even Kuma Babaka, when he came on, he probably could have scored a goal or two because there was one attempt that he did with a bicycle kick. And if he scored that, that would have been a superb goal. But I guess they had to wait till the end for Simeone to get an equaliser. And once again, between bad finishing from Fiorentina and also Handanovic being a fine goalkeeper, Inter can... Uh, be glad to get the point, but also they need to address the depth issues and also the problems with the performances. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's for so many seasons we've been saying and thinking just how fortunate the Inter are to have Samir Handanovic in goal because they'd probably be a lot worse off without him. And that looked like you could have taken this game from any other of the most recent disappointing Inter seasons because, as you say, Fiorentina were unlucky not to win that. Chiesa probably should have scored. Giovanni Simeone, though, I really, really like him. He took his goal brilliantly. He just absolutely smashed it in at the near post. No nonsense. Um, what do you make of him? I'm a big fan of his. You obviously didn't like him too much last season when he was at Genoa, but he's kind of stepping up with Fiorentina this year, isn't he? He definitely is, and I'm a believer of his talent as well. Just a shame he was at uh, the Cugini last season, but he's seen the light. He's with the Viola, and I reckon <laughs> he's another one of those Argentinian strikers that can really keep progressing. If he gets high numbers... Uh, I would not rule him out of the Argentinian squad in the near future, even if he doesn't make the World Cup squad. Maybe in the future years at another World Cup, I'm sure someone with his attributes will make the Argentinian squad. And at least with Argentina, with the abundance of forwards they have, um, with the right coach, and they've got Jorge Sampoli at the moment, I'm sure he can find a way to accommodate Simeone and other strikers. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's kind of unfortunate to be Argentine, isn't he? Because they've got Mario Cardi, Pala de Bala, a slightly different type of player. Gonzalo Higuain can't really get in the squad all the time. Cardi's obviously been left out loads. They've got a lot of talent in those attacking positions, but you would hope if Simeone can keep improving as he has done, and there's no reason to suggest why he can't, that he could get into that yeah. Argentina squad. But we've a few comments coming in. Hamza is, says he will be the third member of the podcast. Hamza... Welcome along. It's good to have you here. And Jax, Jax, I haven't heard from you for a while. It's good to have you back in the comments. But maybe this is why he hasn't been along. He says, I haven't tasted an Inter victory in so long. Do you know what? I actually can't remember the last time Inter won. Vito, you might be able to remind me, but it has been a, a pretty long time that the, the inferior Nerazzurri have been left waiting for a, for a win. Um, but yeah, what was it Spalletti said after the game that his mum who is 80 years old, could even see that Inter need a defender. But for me, that was a bit concerning because I know the defence isn't that strong, but Spalletti's kind of done a bit of a good job organising them. and they've, They haven't looked incompetent at any point throughout the season, despite having Ranocchia, Danilo D'Ambrosio and Yuta Nagatomo in it at times. And I'm with you. They desperately need someone to play behind Icardi and to feed him chances because Perisic can't do it on his own all season. Um, would you be concerned if you were an Inter fan that... Spalletti seems to be prioritising bringing in more defensive reinforcements. I would be very concerned. Even as a neutral, I'm, I'm concerned that Inter aren't doing enough of a job to get a attacking midfielder. There apparently are problems in trying to get uh, Javier Pastore from uh, Paris Saint-Germain, so that's not a good sign at all. And I've seen rumours linking them with Gerard de Lefebvre from Barcelona. And he's more of a winger than a trequatista. So um, either Spalletti needs to give Ursilio a bigger push to get an attacking midfielder, or if they somehow manage to get Dulafeu, they probably need to change the formation because I can't really see Dulafeu being a, a trequatista in a 4-2-3-1. To me, he's a winger. And with the players Inter has got, they're probably better off with a 4-3-3 formation. 
Yeah, I, you've kind of hit the nail on the head with exactly my thoughts. Hamza's still coming and, and he's trying to be my friend. And don't worry, Hamza, we will come to all of the points that you're raising. Don't you worry. But no, I, I completely agree. I, the only thing I could think would be, would the idea be to have Perisic out on the left, Delafeo on the right, and then maybe allow Borja Valero to play in that 10 position. But that's not where he's at his best, really. He, he's better at creating things from deep. So, yeah, Inter work better in a 4-3-3 for me. I don't really understand the plans, if the plans actually are to bring in Delafeo. I think the main benefit they'd get from that would be it would piss off Milan a little bit. But other than that, I don't think that's what they need at all. Um, Fiorentina then, Pioli's doing quite a good job. I was pretty scathing of them in the summer because they decided to change their whole squad, really. But he has them sitting kind of comfortably in and around mid-table, they're still within a, sh- a chance of getting the European places. Obviously, they've got, what, 29 points now. They're in ninth. And then Samper in sixth on 30 points. So it's not out of the question for them to push on and get the Europa League. Fiorentina fans should be happy enough with things, yeah? I would think so because on paper, it seemed that Fiorentina were really going to have a major decline. And... I had a feeling that they might have been between mid-table and maybe even just outside the relegation spots because it was just such a big overhaul of the squad and they sold a few players too, so that was a bit concerning. But under the circumstances, Pioli's done a very good job and be interesting to see how the second half of the season goes for them because I reckon that uh, they can be a challenger for the Europa League spots and that's only because the teams around them are inconsistent and Sampa starting to slip up as well. Yeah, Sampa are slipping up and we are going to touch on that later, Vito, I'm afraid. Sorry, but we couldn't not bring that up at some point. But yeah, Fiorentina doing okay, ticking along. And I do think it's only fair that we give them a bit of praise there because last season we absolutely slaughtered them for a lot of the season because they were underperforming and just not really offering anything. But Credit where it's due. They're performing above expectations this year. So we'll look at them again in a couple of weeks after the winter break is finished. Napoli-Verona then. Napoli won 2-0, staying top, even though it wasn't the prettiest wins. They dominated, but they didn't find a breakthrough until relatively late on and went on to win comfortably. Is that almost an even more enjoyable win for Napoli and Sarri than if they had to put six past Verona and not really learned anything? Well, again, it shows that they can score goals when they need to and also even if they don't win convincingly, that they can still get those results. Sometimes you get those games where you just dominate possession, you create all these chances and you don't score and then the opposition gets one against you. But fortunately for them, Verona is not like Juve or Inter. Those two teams were able to sit back and defend and not let Napoli score anyways, Verona just hasn't got the defensive quality to deal with Napoli's attacks and although they had to wait for the second half of goals, Napoli can be confident in that their style of play works, they dominated possession, it might have been something like 72 to 28%, so uh, they'll be very happy with that and I reckon it's good for them to get that confidence that even though teams try to park the bus against them, if they have that ability to break them down, that might be a good sign for the future. So when they have to face another team who will put, you know, 
eight to ten players behind the ball or just sit in the penalty area, they can still find a way. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, well, the one thing, it's January, guys, so forgive us for speculating and talking about transfers that may or may not happen, but they are being quite heavily linked with Simone Verdi of Bologna, who is obviously a fine player, but I'm quite sceptical of this because I don't think he's quite what they need. He's just another option to fit into what they already have, which might seem like it makes sense, obviously, but they've got Adam Unas who can't get a look in um, to do that. He's still trying to settle in. So to bring in Verdi... Does it really make that much sense? Should they look at, I don't know, getting another type of player in who can give them something different? Personally, I would look at another centre forward or someone who could play as a false nine. So there's talk of getting Roberto Inglese back from Kiev to play as a traditional centre forward. And there was uh, speculation about a month ago that they could get Domenico Berardi from Sassuolo, and he could play on both wings. And I think he's even got the attributes to play as a false nine because I remember a few times at Sassuolo that there were a few games that Di Francesco used the 3-5-2 formation and he was paired with Simone Zaza, and that was back in the first season in Serie A. So I think uh, he could do the Mertens role pretty well. As for Simone Verdi, he might not be the most essential purchase, but compared to Unas, Unas, I think, is too raw, whereas Verdi has more experience, he's a bit more proven, and he's also a dead ball specialist. So I think that's another aspect that Napoli can add. Mertens and Insigne can hit free kicks pretty well, but Verdi in that aspect is a better player. So I reckon that would be very handy to have a player like Verdi in the squad, and I reckon he's got the technique and the smarts to adapt to Saudi's methods. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question of that. that he, he would fit in there quite nicely. But I don't know, my hesitation with the whole thing is probably just that he's just a, a less effective version of what they already have in Mertens and Insigne. And I guess there's, there's no problem with having more options like that. But 
I don't know. I, I could just see him going there and being loaned straight back to Bologna or someone else for a while anyway. Um, Mind you, they still have Giaccarini on the books, so <laughs> I reckon any excuse to get rid of him, I suppose. <laughs> That's a fair point. Hamza has actually said he reckons that Unas should play more for Napoli, which I reckon he's probably got a point because I, I do agree with what you said, that he does look raw, but maybe that the only way to get around that is to play him more so he gets this experience and, I get where Sarri's hesitation is in that if he takes a risk and plays Unas and they don't win, he's going to be slaughtered for for it because Juve are really breathing down their necks at the moment and they probably will be right until the end of the season if they don't overtake them. I would um, say wait for the Europa League. Yeah, that that's a very fair point, actually. I completely forgot they were in that when they got knocked out of Europe or of the Champions League. That I kind of just wrote them off. But, of course, they're joining the big boys in the Europa League. But we, <laughs> we'll move on to Spal to Lazio 5. That was a lot of goals, obviously, but, and it's not really that surprising because Lazio will do that. Immobile in particular against the lesser teams, I don't know if I'm being harsh, but he will punish them. Four goals. And I think I heard that I actually did a podcast with the guys from the final third podcast, which is a good podcast on European football. You should check it out, guys. Um, and I was told that he's the first player in Europe's top five leagues to reach 20 goals for the season. It's pretty impressive. What do you make of Immobile? Is he a bit of a flat track bully or has he proved otherwise this year? As far as I'm concerned, Immobile is a good club level player and he's done well for Lazio, obviously in Serie A, but even in some of the cup competitions, he's done well. I just think with the Azzurri circumstances that, some people would look at Immobile as a scapegoat, but the problems lied a lot deeper. So I think Immobile being a striker, not scoring, I think people were just looking for an easy way out. For Lazio, he's under Simone Inzaghi, who's done a great job since he's taken over as the full-time coach. And he's got the balance of the team right, and everyone's in position, so they can build the attack around him. And it's also handy to have someone like Luis Al- Berto playing behind him, who's also in fantastic form. Yeah, the Lazio fans can really just sit back and enjoy the season because it's hard to tell what their expectations would really be. Because last season it was kind of seen that they overperformed in finishing. Where did they finish? They had fifth, sixth. It was seen that they overperformed because there was nothing expected of them because of what happened the previous summer with the Marcello Bielsa thing and Simone Inzaghi leaving and then coming back because Bielsa left after two days. But Inzaghi's proven himself to be a good coach. Is he going to be there for much longer than this season? I, I suppose that same question could be asked of their big players. Well, hopefully he does stay with them. And to be honest, I can't really see him moving to a bigger club just yet because it seems that most of the positions are fixed or the environments are probably not at the most ideal. For instance, I mean, if he went to AC Milan next season, they've chopped and changed so many times with coaches, I don't think it'd be a good environment for him to be there. And Juventus, it depends if they keep Allegri or if he decides to go elsewhere. So I can't see him leaving Lazio just yet. And I would like him to stay with the Bianco Celesti because... He's making the most of the squad they have, and Claudio Lotito's not a president who likes to spend big. So I reckon Lotito 
has luck on his side with a coach like Inzaghi mentoring the players. Yeah, I think Juve is probably where I'd see him going to. And you're dead right. That does depend very much on what happens with Allegri, obviously. Juve then, they they won, but just it, it wasn't easy or pretty or anything for, for them away to Cagliari. Even Max Allegri came out after the game and said that Cagliari didn't deserve to lose. What did you make? There was some VAR controversy here again. Um, I'm not bothered talking about VAR, to be honest with you. Mm. We've done it enough. Um, I think we, mm. everyone out there knows our opinions on that. But Juventus, they often get praised for winning these games. But are they winning too many of these games by these narrow margins this season, do you think? I think it's a common thing in the Allegri era, to be honest. And with this kind of approach, it goes to show that in Serie A it works, but in Europe it doesn't. And this is where I think the old-school Italian mentality tends to fail in the big games these days. Italy doesn't have the players that they used to have. And when I think of the last two European campaigns, I look at how they lost to Bayern Munich in the round of 16 two years ago and how they lost the Champions League final last year to Real Madrid. And I reckon it's because of this mentality of winning close games all the time, just doing enough. I think when it matters most and they have to go for the kill, they're not used to it and they buckle under the pressure or they're not used to those experiences. So um, really, if it was anyone else or a team with a different cultural mindset, they should be trying to put Coyote to the sword, even in the Sardinia. So, yeah, again, it's a case of they're grinding out a win, but one day those kind of... Uh, wins or that sort of approach will hurt you on the backside. Yeah, do should we give some credit to Cagliari then? Because they did play quite well. As Jax, I think it was, has pointed out in the comments that Chesney was absolutely fantastic. He probably saved you by that point. Um but yeah, we rarely see these lesser teams going to play against Juventus and properly taking them on, but that's exactly what they did. Pavoletti I thought was good. He was unlucky not to have a goal. Um should more teams take this approach or do they just risk being absolutely murdered on the counter-attack? Well, the way Juve plays, I think they should uh, have a go at them. Uh, it's good for Coyote to really take those shots and you know try to create the play against Juve. In a way, Juve does want teams to sit back, but if one team has enough self-belief or confidence like some did in November then Juve are gettable. I reckon with Coyote, they were unfortunate that Chesney has been in career-best form, to be honest. And since deputising for Buffon, I think he's been one of Juve's best players. Yeah, his kind of rebirth since, what was it, his second season in Roma that he really came on, has been kind of remarkable for anyone that saw him with Arsenal because he didn't really see this coming. And now it looks like he could actually be the heir to Buffon now. Juve and they won't need to get rid of someone else. But sticking in Turin, Torino sacked Senisa Mihailovic after their Coppa Italia exit and subsequently went on to beat Bologna 3-0, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, 3-0. Yeah. Is that a coincidence, new manager bounce, or are all the players just absolutely delighted not to have Senisa Mihailovic screaming at them anymore? Apparently, some of the players did go to see him after he was sacked, but I wouldn't be surprised if the 
happy to be gone with Mahalovic and not have to deal with his screaming and shouting. I rate Matsari as a much better coach than Mahalovic. And also, I think it's more than just a honeymoon period. I think Matsari is the type of guy that can turn a corner for Torino. He won't be as... He won't be under as much pressure as he was at Inter, so I think Torino might be the right place for him to get his coaching career back on track. Yeah, do you think that's Mazzari's level then? Because, as you say, there was a bit too much pressure on him with Inter, and then after a certain point with Napoli, he kind of just seemed to to lose it or get figured out or something, and it didn't work out for him too well in England, of course. But he's not got too much expectations there. Torino are obviously sitting in mid-table now at the moment, will have outside hopes of getting the Europa League. How do you see him getting on there then? Can they really push up and challenge with Atalanta, Fiorentina, Samp and the rest? With the squad they have, I reckon they can. And it would also help if Belotti can be fit. That would be a big bonus. But even with getting Mazzari as a coach, he's got a more defined style of play than Mahalovic. And if Giampiero Ventura can get them into the Europa League and reach the round of 32 or 16 with them, I'm sure Mazzari can do better than him. Yeah. Um, we've had another question about Mihailovic, and you've actually written on this subject, so I'll let you take it away. Do you think that Mihailovic will hover around back in the other, in other Serie A clubs? Obviously, he can't take another club this season, but what do you think? Is he just going to kind of keep moving around, hop on the Serie A merry-go-round, as they say, or... Is he just not really cut out for it? I reckon he'll probably go on the Mario go round, but I don't think he's really cut for Serie A. The way the game is going now, you've got to be more complete and more detailed in your coaching. In Serie A, the tacticians have often been very shrewd, but you do get a few of these so-called motivational coaches that that do do the rounds. And a coach like Mihalovic, I think... Now, more than ever, he's really getting found out. And I can't see him getting a, you know, one of those teams that can qualify for Europe. He'd be more suited to maybe a lower lower place Serie A club because he just doesn't have that great tactical now. No, that's it. Everywhere he goes, he seems to just do, yeah, quite well, but nothing too remarkable, really. Uh, another comment, Mihailovic was loved by the Milan players and with the Torino players in that aspect. He's a very valuable coach. It's one thing to be liked by your players, but then to actually be able to implement tactics and win matches is a completely different thing. So I don't know. I, I think Torino were right to part ways with them. We've discussed yeah. it a few times on the podcast, and I just don't think they were really taken on board as ideas. And if they were, they clearly weren't working because the the talent and potential in that Torino squad is greater than being the 10th best team in Italy. Um, all right, this is this is the game I've been waiting for anyway. Um, Roma 1, Atalanta 2. Roma fans, you can be lucky that it was only 2 because it should have been 4 or 5 by halftime. And then Alexander Kolarov took a dive and got Martin Darun sent off. Vito, I don't know if you got any of this. If you did, what were your thoughts? Well, that the runes sending off, I think that was the only reason that Roma were able to get into the game. That first half was a complete domination by Atalanta. The statistics would show that Roma dominates the possession, 
possession, but the quality of possession just wasn't there. They were just very slow in their ball movements, and it was very unimaginative. Atalanta sat deep, but they were very dangerous on the counter-attack, and they were getting their passes right too. So really, to be honest, they should have been more than 2-0 up. And also the goals were well worked too. I mean, the first goal by Cornelius was... uh, Nice through ball that he received, and then he just curled one in, and he showed more mobility than I thought. And then for the second goal by Darun, a lot of it was great work done by Papu Gomez, just the timing and the way to hold up the ball. It was fantastic play, and yeah. although in the second half, Roma got a goal back through Jacko, they just looked very simplistic and uninspiring, to be honest. And it's the type of games that Roma historically tends to bottle, unfortunately. All the comments are coming in. And, yeah, I'm making a lot of friends in the comments today. Uh, Hamza's back says, Gasparini's the most underrated manager in Europe and Atalanta are the most underrated team. Completely agree. And he also points out Andrea Maziello's block at the end where he basically just threw his face in the way of the ball. I was... Brilliant. And Jackson oh, were incredible. But Andre, when Andrea Maziello came on, I just kind of thought, okay, we'll be all right here because that man does absolutely anything to stop the opposition from winning, obviously since what happened a few years ago when he was at Barry. But since then, the turnaround in that guy's career has been phenomenal. And I said it here last week, but if he didn't go through what he went through and he didn't do what he did then, he would be... Seriously, one of the most respected defenders in Italy, I think, because he's astonishing. But yet, you touched on the the possession stats there, and they're completely distorted because of that unfair red card, because Atalanta smashed them in the first half. They dominated. And you're right to point out Papa Gomez's impact for that first goal, because he fell over when he got to the byline. He's been crowded out by about four players. And he just stops, completely waits, and kind of eyes up the whole situation and sees Darun coming on and rolls it back for him beautifully. Uh, Ilicic played a great ball for Cornelius's opener, obviously. And yeah, Roma, I thought they were just happy to let them have the ball in the second half. And they were just sitting back and they knew that they weren't going to be able to break them down. And to be fair, Roma didn't have too many clear-cut chances. Dzeko had one, I think, before he scored that he missed, if I'm remembering that right. But other than that, between... Palomino, Toloi, Caldara and Maziello, Atalanta just defended brilliantly. And then Remo Freuler did a great job protecting them in front. And Cristante, who came on for Illichic at halftime, slotted into that defensive role nicely. But it's it's not something that's dawned on me recently, but just how versatile they are really has hit me in recent weeks. Because if anything happens to anyone in that team, probably with the exception of Gomez, they've got a ready-made replacement. Like the back three isn't even a consistent back three because they've got Palomino who can come in and do a job there. Uh, Bastoni is off to Inter now, but he would have been more than capable to come in and do a job. Fullbacks, they've got, who they got? Goosens to come in when Spinazzola's not there and they've got Timothy Castagna on the right who probably should be playing ahead of Hans Hattabor. But for whatever reason, Gasparini insists on playing Hattabor and to be honest, I don't think I'm in any place to question Gasp because the job he's done there. Midfield, obviously, Darun, Froiler, uh, even Malagoni and Cristante and then Cornelius and Batania up top can kind of come in and do different jobs but yeah I, I, I just want to make this uh, an Atalanta club focus podcast to be honest because I could talk about that game for about an hour and I wouldn't get bored <laughs> because it really really was 
a brilliant way to cap off a brilliant week. And before we move on from this, we should mention that the Atalanta fans, again, proving that they are probably the best hands in Italy because after they knocked Napoli out of the Coppa Italia, they all gathered at the airport to welcome the players back when they landed in the early hours of the morning. And then, what, three or four days later, after beating Roma 2-1 at the Stadio Olimpico, they do the exact same thing. And the players seem to really appreciate it as well. It's all over their Instagram stories and stuff. And it's really nice to see. And every time they do it, I go and look at flights to see how long or how cheaply I can get out there. And I just want to go to a game. So I'm considering going to the, the Napoli game immediately after the, the winter break, which will be fun. Vito, I'm sorry to bring the tone down, but Sampdoria were beaten by Benevento. Benevento, who hadn't won all season, and now they've won back-to-back Serie A games and are just eight points off the drop. From a Sampdoria perspective first, what happened here? It was an absolute disaster on our part. There were games that we've lost and we looked competitive, but to be honest, Benevento were very good in the pressing. They were compact. They defended deep, so they stifled us from trying to play our game. We really lacked fluidity, creativity, and also our defensive game was pretty poor. We were rather open at the back, vulnerable to counterattacks. And when Jakobo Sala got sent off with seven minutes to go, that really just opened up the gates for Benevento to get the second consecutive win. Yeah, and well, I was going to say it got a bit cagey at the end, but it didn't because the game was over really before Mm -hmm. Sam that consolation goal but if we're going to talk about Benevento the witches of the south I think it's unfair for us not to discuss Massimo Coda because he's been key for them in their recent victories and this is a guy who just looking at his Wikipedia page he's had about 20 clubs in the last 13 years has he found home now with Benevento or is he just going to be there for a year and move on do you think Benevento can stay up serious question I saw an interesting statistic when I was reading a match report in La Gazzetta dello Sport, and they said that at the moment, well, Benevento's eight points from safety, mm-hmm. as opposed to Crotone this time, they were nine points from safety. So mathematically, the possibility is there. In terms of form, I think with Roberto De Zerbi finally getting his ideas across. It looks like he's got the formation and the choice of personnel right, so that looks good. They're looking stronger in the wide positions. And the aforementioned Coda, well, he's been keen the last two games. Under Marco Baroni, he was either spraying his shots or they were getting saved. But this time, he scored two goals in three games. And, I mean, he scored three goals in two games, sorry. And he set up the third goal for Enrico Brignola, who looks like a very promising winger. So perhaps he's turned the corner and he might actually be a focal point. And the way things are going for Benevento, if they can keep it up, they could pull off another miracle too. Yeah, this is... And if you look down at the bottom of Serie out there, there are a lot of teams down there who could very easily not win for the rest of the season. I'm looking at Genoa Sassuolo. Um, probably not Cagliari, but Crotone and Verona, you wouldn't be surprised if they went on miserable runs. So I think Benevento have every chance of staying up. And as you, you were right to point out, Crotone did it from a worse position last year. Um, Vito, you know, I think we've made it. I did say this was going to be a short one. How long have we been yeah. doing this now? We're 
we're half an hour in, so yeah, we've we've gone further than what I was hoping we would get. So, um, guys, thanks for sticking with myself and Vito on our own. Vito, say your goodbyes and where people can find you and read you and do whatever they want. Well, I just want to thank our loyal listeners for listening every week. It's always most appreciated. Hopefully more can jump on board. For those who want to follow my work and read my work, you can go on the Forza Italian Football website, follow my Facebook page at Vito Doria. Then, of course, there's my Twitter and Instagram accounts, and the handles for those is Vito C. Doria. Excellent stuff, guys. Get your um, suggestions for the outro music in the comments as quickly as possible while I wrap this up because I haven't got a clue what I'm going to use this week. But, yeah, as Vito said, thank you so much for getting your comments in. We really do appreciate it. It does help us get through this thing. Um, Yeah, guys, Vito, don't let me do this podcast if I've done another podcast in the day again because it's a struggle to get through this. I can barely speak (laughs) at the moment. My mouth is just so dry. Uh, Right, what was I saying? Okay, yeah, that'll do it. We will... Oh, it's the winter break. So we'll try to do something next week, but I don't know. Hopefully Nick sorts out his Wi-Fi situation. Yeah, okay, from myself, from Vito, that's all there is to say, and it's ciao for now.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.